This is a post-Christian podcast. Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Revolution. Um, Good morning. I was just on um, Instagram, the other place, and Jessica Chastain just announced um, that she was, uh, that the Eyes of Tammy Faye film that she's made with uh, Andrew Garfield is going to come out September 24th. So she just made that announcement on Instagram, and she lit a little saint candle with my mom on it, which was pretty cool. That's really cool, yeah. So, awesome, right? Hopefully. (laughs) Fingers crossed. (laughs) The truth about Jay Baker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jay, who would you cast to play a, a young you? Who's a, who's playing a 20-something Jay Baker? Well, I've talked to the guy on Instagram. Have you? Yeah. Um, uh, you mean in the new movie? In the new movie, yeah. Oh, okay. I was, I, was, I was curious who you would cast in a... Well, if I cast somebody as me yeah. right now, there was the guy who was in Empire Records. Name, he was, his character's name was Lucas, and he looked a lot like me at oh, that wow. age. So I'm wondering if he looks like me now. Interesting. Um, that or Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Or my mom was always so sweet because she would be like, you're just like little, little Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. <laughs> sure, mom. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that would be okay because I always kind of good look up, good look you up uh, in the movies. A few points. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe. You know, and I'm sure, sure he could put on some prosthetics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. take off his toupee. <laughs> I like him as an actor because yeah. I always like when he plays characters. Yeah, me too. I like it because he over kind of overdoes it a little bit, but I yeah. really like it. You remember, so. I, I think the youngest thing I've seen, or the youngest I've seen him in something was Gilbert Grape, you know? Yeah. Johnny Depp. He was in, um, he was in the show with, uh, what was that show? A show? Hmm. He was in a TV show. Was he? Yep. And it was um, with Kirk Cameron. Oh, growing uh, pains, growing pains, growing pains. Yeah. yeah. Was it like a season arc? Was he, was he? Yeah, it was like like the, oh, Kurt's not as cute as he used to be. So let's go <sighs> in. Oh, who's the, the, oh, what was the young cousin in the Brady Bunch? Yeah. He was that kid. <laughs> yeah. You know, what was that kid's name? Uh, Oscar. They no. did that too yeah. with um, different strokes. And uh, all sorts Cosby of stuff. showed it too. Yeah. Yeah. Bring in the cuter kid. Mm-hmm. Anyhow. So there you go. There's our banter banter for um, media. For hot media. <laughs> so, yeah, but there's somebody playing me, and they will be playing me in my early 20s, which is really Ooh. weird. So, I didn't know the movie went that far, far out, but it's pretty far out, okay, man. Yeah, that is far out, man. So, we'll see. Hopefully, I get to go to the uh, to the premiere. Yeah. The promo. Yeah. Hopefully, COVID's gone by then. Seriously. Oh, boy. Let's start a war against COVID so we can all go to the premiere. You know, that's something that we need to unite us right now. <laughs> I mean, come on, bro. It's time to start worshiping my mom at a movie theater. <laughs> Don't deny our rights. Hey, or we man. get that long-haired yeah. guy who does all the praise and worship and thinks that you know he has that Jesus super spreader shirt. Get him involved. Oh no! Yeah, because he seems to really like causing a lot of trouble. Uh, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll look into that. Yeah, I'll, thanks. I'll get back to you about that. You guys might have a connection to him. Yeah, I'll look into that. <clears throat> so we've got. Galatians 4 today, and before we get into that, there's a few things I wanted to talk to you guys about in the congregation. 
So I like to get the crappy stuff out of the way first. Um, so fundraising, I want to watch all the watch people watching on Facebook <laughs> numbers drop. Numbers um, so basically I've just been kind of going over where we are financially and we raised some money to get some new equipment. Unfortunately, we have to wait forever to, for GoFundMe to send it to us. So we're waiting for that. And I've sent a request asking them, uh, when that's going to make it, but we haven't heard back. Um, so we're looking forward to that. Also, uh, what I, I've kind of looked and, and it's about three donors right now that are really helping us stay afloat. And so what I wanted to ask some of you guys is if, um, if you're out there and I know it, we're all going through a financial rough time right now, you know, it's not fun for anybody. Um, but, like even just a thousand dollars a month, um, extra in our fundraising would make a huge difference. Now I don't think any of you out there have the bank account to just mm. write a thousand dollars a month to the church, um, but maybe you do. I don't know. If you did, that would be ph- phenomenal. Or if two of you could give five hundred dollars, or what four of you could give two hundred and fifty dollars, or I, math my math right? stops going <laughs> after that point. Um. But we really could use the support. And, and what I want to just say is like not like I know you hear this all the time, but even little bits really do help. Like if you're like, hey, I'm just going to give five dollars a month, ten dollars a month, yeah. or I can give fifty dollars a month. That helps us do this, keeps us going. We're still trying to get to the budget up to the point where we can add Caleb into the budget. You know, um, we just want to be right now a two staff church. That would yeah. be nice. We're not asking for any more. And um, we're going to start looking for places really soon here once COVID dies down obviously we're going to start looking for um a permanent location for revolution um a bar or something we're not going to buy a building Mm, or anything as permanent as revolution gets yes as permanent as we get Mm -hmm. so um but yeah we could really use the support um to do this takes money um to study to keep going what we're doing um you know we'd like to do more but really we just the church is financially strapped i mean transparency i haven't received a full check in quite a few months so um, if donating is something you'd be considered, we'd love it. It's revolutionchurch.com. Um, you can go up the donation page and, uh, I believe it's PayPal and you can donate there. So if, um, if you guys are open to helping us financially and you like what we do and you like our work, you listen to our pod, we do podcasts, we do two podcasts a week and we're trying to do more and hopefully we will do more. Um, me and Pete Rollins have some things planned coming up. The next few months and i have a few other projects i'm working on and when you guys support what we do it makes it much easier for us to do this work and i love this work so i, I don't do this work because it's easy i do this work because i'm passionate about it and i promise you i will not try to start getting rich mm-hmm. off your donations if you decide to give a million dollars we will make sure that it goes into right stuff and right things mm-hmm. um it would it would it would be hard to hide. Honestly. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, I I would just have to rent this apartment so I could just pretend to come here. Yeah, and there you first, go. Leave my mansion. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so that would help. That would be great. You know, and obviously we're trying to. You know, a lot of people are interested in my mom's work, and I think what revolution part of what revolution does is helps carry on the type of work that my mother did. And um, so, if you want to help that work continue, we really could use you guys' um, support financially. And I I don't run phrase funds a lot. I'm not going to tell you you're going to get rich or God's going to take care of you. Um, if you give money, um, but you know, there you go. 
Yeah. You know, we, we, that's how we survive. We're a nonprofit. You'll get a tax write off. And, you know, there you go. And hopefully we'll, you know, if we make enough money, we'll get some merch made, send out to you so you can represent revolution and do stuff like that as well. Um, so thanks for considering that. Yeah. Anyhow, that was my pitch for uh, the needs of the church right now. We really need some financial support. Um, and, 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 you know, not just one time. Like if you think like, oh, I could give this or I could give over a patent in the full year. You know, giving over the full year really helps us because we just need to have some sort of consistency, consistency to be able to depend on and uh, get the stuff that we need in order to do our work. Um, so anyway, I before we get into Galatians 4, yeah, in our corporate jet. I mean, the thing, you know, it, gas isn't free. Oh, Bob. Jet fuel isn't free, Bob. <laughs> um, the gold toilet doesn't flush itself, and I want it to, so that's why we're raising money. We're trying, yeah, we're trying to get the motion <laughs> activator for the golden toilet, but you have to get the golden motion activator yeah, for it to I be mean, compatible. I mean, you don't want it to, like be off it it's, it's like tacky to have a non-gold plated motion yeah. yeah it's really tacky it's doesn't doesn't really go together anyhow there you go i see lots of great church. i see all these great churches doing like great stuff like i uh, or not even so great stuff like i saw one group of church on the line the other day and they're doing like this giant praise and worship gathering and and i wanted to like be like what are you guys doing like yeah. this is kind of like ridiculous and it's kind of like tone deaf and it's kind of mm-hmm. and in a way it's just kind of like I, I did make a little comment and said you know it kind of feels like you're having a nice meal in front of a hungry person you know because all of us yeah. want to go out you know and I look at these huge churches doing all this crazy shit and I'm like how do they and they have these gigantic budgets anyway so I realized I wasn't going to comment anymore because I realized it was probably a little bit jealousy that's the mm-hmm. hard part of being a church like I would like a budget <laughs> so we could have a big rap battle in the middle of a covid but we're not gonna do that we're not <laughs> sorry we could do a rap battle between me and you oh boy <laughs> be really awesome um but yeah back to back to online um and this is kind of part of the talk because galatians 4 is kind of a quickie um one of the things i i, I was online and I, I was just i'm noticing everybody's still kind of posturing themselves politically Yes, mm-hmm. and I'm going to do a talk on Jesus, and we're going to look at uh, at kind of Jesus, maybe Jesus and politics. Was Jesus political? And I know some of you are like, "Oh hell yeah, he was." He said blah 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 blah. But got to remember, they couldn't vote. <laughs> he never mentioned Caesar's actual, like, never named, really named him. <laughs> mm. um, so it's interesting. I, I just have some interesting ideas, and I think we're going to try to f- do that in, a, in the next few weeks or month. Um, and go through that. But, but like I saw like today, like there was a conservative guy speaking at a Calvary Chapel church. And I always kind of dug Calvary chapels because that's where the hippies went. But I know they got a little bit conservative. But they had like this conservative Republican guy talking about like canceling a rapper, a Christian rapper, because he supported a, a Democrat. And um, I was just like, God, you know, I'm like, this, this stuff drives me crazy. And Camilla, is it Camilla, 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 yeah. Camilla Harris. Harris, Camilla Harris. I have a bad thing with names. And then if somebody says, I if you I don't say right, the name right, right, you're really bad. So then when you say that, it gets in my mind and it just goes through and I'll and never Camilla say it. Camilla is technically correct. <laughs> yeah. And I have a Swiss, I believe. Uh, is it? Camilla is, is, uh, let, is Latino in origin. Oh, okay. I don't know. Camilla. I, don't quote Camilla, me. Don't Camilla, quote Camilla Nobody Harris. quote me, please. Anyway. Sorry. I, think um, we just got ourselves I, I saw another Southern Baptist preacher 
talking about calling her Jezebel. And then he doubled down and said he was going to stand by his truth and uh, and that the fact that she uh, performed one of the first uh, lesbian weddings was one of the reasons that she was one of the worst things ever. So I, I asked this Southern Baptist leader, I, I did tweet him because I was I had my kid yesterday and every now and then I would check out Twitter. Um, I did offer to debate him publicly or privately oh, or have wow. just a conversation about this and said, actually, I did one of the first lesbian weddings in California uh, during the whole Prop 8 stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I was working with Soul Force at the time and did a wedding there. And so I said, I would be glad. Camila. Somebody just put in there. Camila. 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 Uh, versus Kamala. Oh, okay. I'm not going to... Kamala. Kamala. That's right. Kamala. Duh. Sorry. Uh, I was just really trying to read it phonetically so today. It's Kamala. Yeah. It's Kamala Harris. Kamala. Thanks. So you, back to Kamala Roberta. Harris. So maybe I'm, I, I'm... But he called her a Jezebel and then said, you know, she was... She was doing all this stuff and, and she, you know, she was too liberal and too progressive and all this kind of stuff. And, I, you know, I'm just thinking like, I can't. Yeah, we got it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was so, it, 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 my dyslexia makes every, saying everything wrong. Um, a lot of you probably know that if I've, if you've gone to my church, that it probably took me three, four months to know what your name was actually the church and revolution uh in new york brooklyn bought me a pen and this isn't it but bought me a pen that said i'm sorry i forgot your name <laughs> yeah that's really good they gave me the pen and we're like here jay you got to wear this every sunday <laughs> that's really because cheeky. you forgot your name yeah. if you get all of our names i was like okay bad pastor <laughs> button um but the point is is just like everybody's out feeling it getting crazy um you know, I just kind of sometimes just wish the church would just back off a little bit, you know? And so I'm not going to always just, I'm not going to just hit my conservative friends. I'm going to hit some of my liberal friends as well. I mean, there's this one guy who keeps talking about like how horrible the Trump supporters are and now they're all really bad and how we have to live in fear now. And I'm like, you know, this whole idea that we have to like take the action of a few and then project it onto the whole is not getting us anywhere. Good point. And to the point of this one person who does these Instagram and tweets is is that I literally wonder like in the next six months what they're going to do with their career because all they've done is talk about how horrible Trump is and how horrible Mm -hmm. conservatives are and Republicans are and uh, did it before even the second one. I mean, he's been doing it for years and it's just, I'm like, how is this Christianity? Mm. You know, that we're still sitting here arguing over who is the greatest Caesar? Mm. Who am I going to put my faith in? When if we are really a part of, of, of a religion called Christianity, I thought the idea was is that we put our faith in Christ and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthen us, you know, no matter what. And that's a verse that Paul wrote when he was in prison. And, and he was in prison because of the, of the government. Um, the government has not usually done a lot of great things for Christianity, biblically speaking, in, in, in biblical times. And so I think for us, it's like, I don't know, I just start feeling fatigue and starting to feel like I don't want to have anything to do with the church anymore. 
Like it's gotten so political. It's gotten so mixed up with politics and who's in and who's out. It just makes me feel exhausted. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, you know, oh, well, here the conservatives are back at it. Oh, yeah. here the progressives are back at it. You know, and it's one of these things where it's like, I get that we've got to talk about particular issues. I know we've got to protect each other and have good conversations. Um, but maybe Twitter, maybe 140 characters. I think they added a few years ago, but maybe Ooh. 160 characters yeah. aren't enough to express those type of things. Um, you know, maybe things like calling your congressman and protesting and writing letters and reading really great books helps. But I feel like the body of Christ is in Christianity is so divided, so divided over who Caesar, who is, who is, who do you say Caesar is? Right. You know, whose pictures on this, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, so we're going to fight over that and allow that to destroy the church. And, um, because we all refuse to talk to each other, but we'll talk at each other. Mm. And to me, this or about each other. Yeah. Doesn't like, even with Paul, you know, Paul writes this letter to the Galatians, you know, and he, and he's confronting them straight on. He's defending himself. He's defending his message. You know, he's, he's showing where he's at. You know, he, he, he has the facts and he's going straight to the folks. And I think social media has just divided us in such a great way that I'm just, Honestly, like, I'm like, why do I do this? You know, and people bring up stuff to me about the church and someone wrote something up to me the other day and I said, well, this is why I'm glad I don't really feel like I'm part of the church. You know, like I don't really feel like I'm part of the Christian culture anymore. You know, um, I run a church and I pastor church, but I just don't feel like I'm in, in deep in that culture because I can't be because it's become such a toxic place with evangelicals and mainliners. You know, everybody keeps drawing lines in the sand. And uh, I just, uh, that's not the message of Christ. That wasn't the message of Paul. Maybe you can say that was the message of James a little bit, or you can talk, argue about Peter, or maybe 1 John or something, but I don't think so. But some of those things, you know, maybe the book of Revelation, you know, maybe we can go back to the, you know, the Old Testament. But the idea is, is that we're just constantly picking each other apart in a religion that's not supposed to, that's supposed to be based on loving your enemies and forgiving one another and um, restoring each other. Like when we get into Galatians five, it's all about restoration. It's all about saying, you know, if you think you're too good to help somebody, you're kidding yourself. So I don't know. I'd like to see a lot less division. So I guess what I'd ask some of you guys today is listening, wherever you're listening, um, are you a part of the division? What part are we playing in the division in the church? Now, I've got some great div- accusations I could give towards the church, um, but it wouldn't really be like worried about politics as much as it would be worried about who's loving their enemies, who's loving the other. And really, have we as the church created another gospel, like Paul's talking about in Galatians, another good news that's so focused on things that we've almost forgot our own We've almost forgotten our our, our, our our faith, our religion. We've almost we've almost like just we've become so focused in it that we have. I feel right now like politics and religion are on the same place. I watched this documentary on Dr. Martin Luther King the other day, and Dr. King had to make some huge decisions um, along the way, obviously. 
But one of the biggest decisions he struggled with was talking about the war in Vietnam. And he was extremely anti-Vietnam. And he spoke out against Vietnam, and the president called him into his office and said, listen, took him on a walk in the Rose Garden, and said, I can't have you talking about Vietnam. You know, I can't have you talking negatively about Vietnam. And uh, they always tried to tell him things he had to do and didn't do, and sometimes he didn't listen, and sometimes he took it into consideration. But one of the things, I think it was 12 to 18 months where he did not speak about Vietnam because he was so focused on the civil rights issue that he thought, well, if I don't have a voice at the White House, you know, civil rights may not move forward. And so he was silent on Vietnam for about 18 months. And this is the one thing is silence isn't one of the things you think about when you think about Dr. King. Um, You always think of his great quotes about not being silent. But interesting enough, uh, what I found from this documentary is that some of the stuff he says, he says there becomes a time um, when it becomes betrayal not to speak out. But this came from him spending 18 months thinking about the best way to confront the Vietnam War. But it took time. And uh, what happened was is he went to an airport and picked up a magazine and, uh, and saw pictures of these kids who had been mutilated in the Vietnam War. And just burns all over most of their body and different things like that. And he couldn't be silent anymore. But he had to make the decision, do I lose my place politically in the political, do I lose my voice with the president in order to speak out against these atrocities? And I think you could argue both were, were for his work, were arguable, you know. But he decided that he could no longer be silent about Vietnam. And he spoke out against the Vietnam War. And he lost his voice with the president. And uh, he was assassinated about a year later, I believe. If not even quicker than that, he started the Poor People's Campaign and doing things like that. But um, he became very unpopular uh, because of speaking out on the Vietnam War. And so, you know, it's, I guess the the point is, is like, I think we've got to choose our, you know, choose wisely what we talk about and what we fight and what we fight each other about. And like, I think about fighting, like who gets to go to heaven is like mm-hmm. fighting about like how many freaking angels can dance on the head of a pin. You know what I mean? It just doesn't yeah. make sense. So how does it affect our day to day loving each other? Yeah. You know, and, and, and calling each other names and scapegoating each other and, and, and the other, the other, the other. I mean, it's just not biblical. It's not in the Bible. It's not part of this religion. And it's honestly just, hurts us as human beings, as, as community. And it doesn't build community. It doesn't build a movement. It tears a movement apart, and it keeps a movement from happening. And I think so. I just think there's a better way to go about it. And over the next few months, we will talk about different ways that maybe we can go after that. I, I think one of the reasons I've been uh, – I'm reading a book right now on, on um, capitalism and because I'm realizing that capitalism plays into so many of the issues that we talk about right now and so many of the things we're arguing over. And it's like, it's almost like capitalism is this disease that plays into our minds, um, which leads to racism, the us, the them, satisfaction, not being satisfied, getting what we want, you know, and, and it's like, instead of, you know, we're not attacking the disease. 
We're just attacking the um, symptoms. We've got all these symptoms that are just coming up everywhere. Amen. And uh, so I've been thinking about how can we talk about a, a, attacking the disease rather than the symptoms? Because a lot of us are, are showing symptoms. And we're showing those symptoms in, in scapegoating and judging others and, and, and wanting to be right and wanting to be the ones that have it together and, and the need for that satisfaction that it kind of creates within us and the chemicals that it releases when we feel that way and when we, when we write a signal to one another. So, um, I think it's, it's, it, I think we're going to try to cover like, how do we, da- how do we really get the disease? How do we really do this? How do we create a better community and uh, have better conversations? But if I'm a pastor of a church that I love what I do and is struggling what I'm doing, yet want nothing to do with the church sometimes and feel like I want to quit and give up because of this, how much more are people who just go to church or people who are thinking about going back to church? I mean, if this wasn't my job, I would just go do something else. Yeah. You know, I believe it privately. I just wouldn't, I'd, pro- I'd probably be off social media, to be honest with you. So anyway, that was my rant. That was a long rant. It's mm, a good one, man. All right, 1130, let's go through Galatians 4, shall we? And we'll talk, you know, we're going to do the Q&A afterwards, so, you know, after glow. so feel free to push back on anything I said or ask those questions, that's fine. Um, I can handle it. So Galatians 4, my point is this, heirs as long, okay, one of the things that we have to talk about is that what, what Paul's explaining here is why, why he believes that the, the law is no longer applies to people mm-hmm. anymore. And he's really getting a lot of pushback from the Christian Jewish community who, 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 who are called Judaizers who want to keep this as part of Christianity and want Greeks to convert to Judaism and, and kind of celebrate these different, you know, things and, and, and still pay respects to the law and still practice the law. And and Paul is now showing us why we don't need to, uh, why the law is no longer applicable. Um, Heirs, and he's, and he's doing it in this type of like heirs to the throne, heirs, family heirs. Uh, He talked earlier about, um, uh, a will, what it was like if you left a will and different things. So he keeps tearing this apart. But let's just look at this. Hopefully we'll get through four. And oh, there's a lot there, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to try to get through it past. <laughs> if I have to do two parts on four. You know I failed. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, my point is this. Heirs, as long as they are minors, are no better than slaves. Though they are owners of... Though they are owners of all the property, but they remain under guardians, guardians and trustees until the date of their by their set by their father. So thirteen probably for this time, but eighteen nowadays. Um, so with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into 
<clears throat> spirit of his son. Da, 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 spirit. Hold on. Sorry, I lost my place. You are children. God has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Mm-hmm. So you are no longer the slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. So what he's saying is, is Christ is kind of the fulfillment, our reaching the age of being no longer under this protection of the law. So he really sees the law as not something that was these demands of be right, be wrong, but something that was supposed to protect us until we could experience grace in its fullness. And, uh, and now we're all heirs. goes on to say in 8, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to beings that by nature are not gods. And, and Paul is, is, is very particular about worship of idols. He does not like idol worship. And a matter of fact, when he's, with the LGBT stuff that people feel like are clobber scriptures in Rome are actually Paul confronting types of worship to other gods. And so Paul's not a big fan of gods and of other gods and idols. That is Paul through mm. and through. So Paul. And <laughs> so um, Paul. it's so Paul. Oh, Paul. <laughs> and so when he he's talking to these, I mean, he's talking to groups of people who just aren't Greeks, but also in Galatians, these Gauls, there were warrior tribe of uh, like almost like Viking types who were known to to go to war with communities. And the funny thing, this is just a side note, and I think it's interesting, is that they would, when they went to war, they would have a shield and a sword, and that was it. They would be completely naked and fight naked with a shield and a sword. And it was part of their intimidation. But, you know, so when he talks about these people in Galatians, we're not just talking like deep thinkers like Greek people, but he's also talking about this warrior group of warriors. Um, anyway, just a side note for you guys who are interested in that kind of stuff. Um, now, ever that you have come to know God, or rather that God has come to know you, how can you turn back again to the weak and bigly elemental spirits? And I like the fact that Paul is basically saying, like, yeah, I mean, he's really hitting the law hard. He's saying, like, it's elemental spirits. I mean, it's just like, would you go back to that? It's just, we don't need it anymore. We're under grace. Grace is it, man. Grace is enough. Matter of fact, grace was here before the law. And that's his biggest argument. And so he's trying to encourage people not to be enslaved under the law again. I had someone ask me last night, matter of fact, I was talking to them about Galatians 4 and saying, do you think that Jesus or Paul understood the fact that they were like doing away with this religion, but that would create a brand new religion that just creates all these brand new laws and kind of sets up a whole nother system? You know, I could really say like, I don't think that that's what Christ had in mind. And I definitely, definitely don't think that this is what Paul wanted, you know, so um, but you see the system we have today, you know, just go through Twitter and look at Christian Twitter, you know, Jesus, weird Christian Twitter, look at all these different organizations, look at what they're doing in the name of Jesus or what they think prosec- being persecuted is nowadays oh, and Lord. all this stuff. I mean, you just, it's a, it's a different world. I mean, it's bizarre. It's like some of folks just are living in like these weird religious yeah. bubbles, yeah, mm-hmm. almost like a cult where no one can get into them and talk to them about what's really going on. And so they think, oh, well, I can't. You can't keep me from worshiping. It's like, we're not trying to keep you from worshiping. We're trying to keep you alive. You know, we're, we're just trying to keep you safe like everybody else. That's, you know. Um, but it's like we haven't had a good persecution in a while, so we're all just hungry to be persecuted. Mm. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's a sad, it's a sad thing. Like, you know, what happens when churches are really persecuted? It's like the crying wolf. You know, you guys, you guys have always said you're persecuted. Yeah. You know. Part of our identity. 
you know, oh, we're persecuted for persecuting those people. <laughs> we don't want those people to have the same rights as us. Yeah. Why are you persecuting us? Uh-huh. Well, it's because you're not supposed to deal with that shit. Um, so it goes on to say, enslaved to them again, you're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that my work for you may have been wasted. So Paul says to these folks, like when you go back into this type of system that has to have order and certain days and certain years and all these things that have to be sacred ideas and sacred customs, he thinks, I think you've lost it, man. I think you've, you've missed the point. You know, I think if Paul was alive today and saw all the different denominations and why we split, he would just be like, I mean, really? Is yeah. it, did all of our work was done in vain? Mm. Did you guys not? Oh, you guys still have those letters? Did <laughs> yeah. you get the Galatians one? Right. Uh, and you're still like, what are you reading? How do you read through that? How do you miss that? How do your customs become more important than your faith? How does your politics become more valuable than than your faith? You know, how does it how has it become that this is that you all have these new rules and regulations and what's in, who's in and who's out? You know, what happened to no female, no male, no female, no Jew, no Gentile, you know, no slave, nor free, no, no, no Democrat, no Republican. What happened to that? Oh, I don't think he said the last one. Mm. That was me. Um, mm. But he says, I'm afraid my work for you has been wasted. And, and this has been, he's been very harsh with every single one of these. He's been very hard. Like he's called us foolish. He's called the Galatians, us, because I feel like I'm one of them. Mm. He's foolish Galatians. What magician is casting evil spell on you? You know, what are you doing? You know, I mean, Paul's being really hard and he's starting to feel the fact that, I mean, he's upset, not that they've gone and started some other faith, but that they've gone back to the tradition that he spent his life in. And he's like, listen, I've spent my life doing this. I was, matter of fact, I was one of the best followers of that tradition there is. But you know what? There's no reason to be in that tradition anymore. You've got to break free from that. Friends, I beg you to become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. You know what it, you know it was because of my physical infirmity that I first announced the gospel to you. Don't throw my condition put you to a test, because Paul had some sickness that he really just he, he, he dealt with, and people have different ideas of what it was, but I'm not going to get into that today. You did not scorn or despise me, but welcomed me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus. What has become of the goodwill that you felt? You know, and we see this every day. You know, I I mean, I remember when my parents' scandal happened. And at first it was a sex scandal. Then it was, you know, misuse of fun scandal and all those things. But I remember so many of the people who wanted to sit on the couch with my dad and be interviewed and wanted to spend time at Heritage USA and PTL and be a part of that. Even if they didn't completely agree, they still liked the energy that was there. You know, within 24 hours, wanted nothing to do with us and were actually talking about us in, in horrific ways. And, and I often think about this. Paul saying this to them is like, you know, you guys are canceling me basically there. You know, like, what happened? You know, like, you, you, we were friends. And now because these group has come in and said this stuff about me, we're not friends anymore. And now you're going to return to these yeah. useless works. You know, it's like when, when, when people have different changes in theology and we grow, I think we should all be deconstructing constantly. Um, but if someone grows a little bit more before you or someone's theology is different, 
that you liked before, but then it changes. Like Rob Bell, remember Rob Bell was everybody's, everybody loved Rob Bell. Yeah. And then he wrote that book, Love Wins. Love Wins. And he doesn't even say there's no hell. He suggests it strongly that there may be no hell. Mm-hmm. And people lost it and they stopped paying attention to him completely because he had a different theological thought. And the Bible is built for us to have different theological thoughts and to build with on it. It's just a collection of books and writings. This never was actually probably intended to be a book. Um, but the way this faith goes is you can see Paul literally building off things Jesus said and doing things that Jesus never said and, 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 and opening grace more so than Jesus ever did in, in a lot of ways, which is really interesting. But it's this building off of this foundation and this inclusion that grows from it. And, um, you know, but they can't fight. They're, you know, they're fighting the inclusion with the way that they're oh, yeah. saying, you know, they're saying, you know, um, they're saying like, you know, oh, well, he's, he's just tickling ears or, you know, he's trying to destroy the law. So he's getting accused of all these things. It's very interesting because I think we do this to pastors and teachers all the time when they don't do exactly or say exactly what we want or they get some sort of strange conviction. I mean, I know when I, when I had my conviction about, uh, you know, LGBTQ folks, man, we lost everything. I lost all my speaking engagements, had to let my whole staff go. I know you guys have heard that a million times. And so I'm not going to harp on it. But the fact was, it was like all of a sudden a little bit of my message changed. Someone else got included that wasn't originally included. And then no one wanted to hear anymore. The message was, you know, still to this day, I don't talk to the majority of people I used to speak to back then. Um, Anyhow, I digress. What has become of the goodwill you felt? For I testify that had I been possible, you would have a form, you would have torn out your own eyes and give them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? And I think this is something that pastors will always struggle with, and I think it's pretty good, but unfortunately, I think a lot of us say like, oh, well, you can't love those people. Sorry, I'm just telling you the truth. Like, And so we have to kind of, because everybody wants to play the thing of like, well, I'm just telling you the truth. I didn't make up the rules, you know. Um, so you kind of have to be wise. And that's why I think it's important to read the Bible. If Christianity is your religion of choice and your faith of choice, it's kind of important to read the Bible, not just at a sixth grade level, like would just be just for black and white level, but to look into its context, to understand why certain books were written and to whom they were written to. Um, I've done it. I have dyslexia. I dropped out of high school I, and I've spent a lot of my work time doing this. And I try to do it. So most of you don't have to, but I still encourage you to really research what these, these books are really saying and to whom they're being talked to. Um, you know, because it's a little bit easier to know when you're being bullshitted or not by pastors, by folks like me. And, uh, and I like the fact that I'm able to study enough so when someone does call me out, I can have a good conversation and hold my own or say, yeah, you know what? You're right. I missed a point on that, you know, or, oh, you know, actually, this is why I believe it. A, B, and C. <sighs> they make much of you talking about the Judaizers, but for no good purpose. They want to exclude you so that you may make much of them. Did you hear that? They want to exclude you so that you made much of them. I mean, how often in the church today is like people in leadership are, are show their leadership by who they exclude because it shows a type of power. 
like grace kind of shows us a, a different type of idea and a different type of power. And then everybody's welcomed. And then it's like, oh, how do you hold anything over anybody's heads? When you really have power, it's like, who can you execute? Who can you forgive? You have these choices. And, and, and what will the leader say? You know, and it kind of gives us power. So he's literally saying these guys want to impress you by excluding you. You know, they want you to think that they, they are more than that. So when people like the fruit of the ex-gay movement, when a young gay person would hear from a preacher that they were not accepted and that God did not accept them for who they were, often they would leave home, sometimes even take their own lives, and I've seen it happen. And these preachers were getting power from who they excluded to the point of people taking their own lives, and they still stood there and was like, I have to stand. This is where I'm going to stand. And I'm going like, really, when the fruit of your ministry, when the fruit of your religion is people taking their lives, being homeless, mental illness, um, and suffering, it's time to maybe look and say, well, is this the, are these the fruits of the Spirit? And we're going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit next week. And I will tell you right now, spoiler alert, those are not the fruits of the Spirit. They're the actual opposite. And so, I mean, I feel like some of us could just sit down and just say, well, what is this doing to the people that you're speaking to? When I talk to people here who are part of uh, the Mars Hill in, in Seattle, you know, Mark Driscoll's church, and I see how hurt they are and how angry they are. And I can't blame them, you know, because they were told like, oh, women are second class. You know, well, they're not really second class. They're just made different, but they can't be in leadership and they can't do this. And when you're married, you have to do this. And you have to be that. And what did it lead to? It led to destruction. It led to broken marriages. It led to spousal abuse. Um, we have enough of that with life in general. Do we really need that when our churches are producing destruction of families, destructions of people's lives? You know, I mean, that what kind of fruit is that? That's rotten fruit. That's toxic fruit. And so when you look at that kind of stuff, what comes from it? And we'll talk about what good fruits are and bad fruits are next week. Um, you know, you're always welcome to jump ahead um, to five if you'd like. So, they want to exclude you so that you may make much of them. It is good to be made much of for a good purpose all of the time and not only when I'm present with you. My little children, for whom I'm again in the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, I wish I were present with you for now and I could change my tone, for I am not, for I am perplexed about you. I love that idea that Paul is saying, I'm perplexed. I have no idea why you would go back to the war- works. I have no idea why you would go back to the us and them mentality in, in this faith. I, I can't grasp this concept. That's why I have a hard issue with the pastoral epistles and why I really do believe they're forgeries is because it really is the opposite of what Paul is saying here. Um. It really bothers me. Um, but I understand the perplexity, you know, of, you know, especially now when we can see all these different churches doing all these different things and all these different leaders saying all these different things, and it just, you become perplexed. Like, really, this is what it's become about? This is what our faith is about now? You know, and, and the fact that they, they, they play to a certain crowd, you know, and it's like, and honestly, people are eating it up. Like the, 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 
the, the, the examples I used earlier about the conservative guy saying this thing or the worship group having the big worship wrap off fest, thousands of likes, you know, the guy who, who goes on and says, you know, all conservatives are bad and they're horrible people and they're dangerous and we have to fear them. You know, I read through the comments and I was like over a, I've never had that many comments on anything I've ever written. And I'm going through the comments. Oh, you're reading my mind. Oh, you're speaking on my behalf. Oh, that makes me feel so good. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know, and, and no one pushing back being like, dude, the freaking, he lost. It's like, let's move on. You know, none of that. You know, just hundreds of people going like, yes, this is right. Oh, you, you really hit the mark. And for me, I'm like, I just, I, you know, I'm not going to jump into a pool of piranhas when they're hungry, <laughs> I want to and be like, Hey, have you rethought this? But I'm like, mm, probably not the best timing. Um, and timing is a lot. I have realized in my life. Um, so, so yeah, it, 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 it's tough to see what we continue to go back to. We're like, you know, the Bible talks about the dog that returns to his vomit. And I honestly feel like we do that. We just, we create, we have to continuously create a new system that somehow makes it hard or somehow separates us from them. But the funny, the great thing is, is it's like, at least with my progressive brothers and sisters, they're doing it. Well, the politics separate us, you know, but with sometimes with my conservative brothers and sisters, it's more like the faith separates us. And I, I'd rather have politics separate me than faith separate me. But, um, but I'd honestly rather us not to have to, I'd rather us to like learn how to be adults and have really good conversations and tough conversations and arguments and, but I understand how hard that is. I'm 45. I think I didn't learn how to not be a people pleaser until I was probably 43 and really be comfortable with myself until I was probably 43. So I know it takes time, you know. Um, but I'm going to keep saying this stuff because I just want to help people think well. That's all I can do is encourage you to think well and think critically. And um, if you think what I'm saying is bullshit, that's fine. I mean, you're here and we're talking about it. And that's, for me, a win, you know. Um. Let's finish this sucker up. We're almost done. Tell me, you who desire to be subject to the law, will you not listen to the law? For it is written, so he's using the law against the law. Classic Paul move. Um, For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman and the other by a free woman. One, the child of the slave was born according to the flesh. The other, the child of free woman was born through the promise. Now this is an allegory, which I think it's important that he says this is an allegory because he's not saying this is literal who's in and who's out. This isn't about lineage. He's saying this is an allegory. 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 Thank you. And um, this is an allegory. So I think that's important because otherwise we can, everybody thinks Paul's a bastard already. So let's just try to help him out a little bit. Right. Um, these women are two covenants. So he's saying they represent the two covenants. One woman is, in fact, is Hagar from Mount Sinai, bearing children for, <clears throat> for slavery. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, the correspondence to the present Jerusalem, for she is the, slave, um, the slavery with her children. But the other woman corresponds to Jerusalem above. She is free, and she is... Our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, you children, you childless one, you who bear no children. Burst into song and shout, you who endure no birth pains, 
For the children of the dissolute woman are more numerous than the children of the one who is married. Now you, my friends, are children of the promise, like Isaac. And he's adopting us all. He's adopting all of us non-Jews right now. So we're all, that's me, most of us, some of you are, are Jewish, so you, you're already in. Good for you. <laughs> but some of us are getting adopted, and I'm really happy um, about that. And I think it's very cool. Um, but now you are his friends. You are children of the promise. Now, we're not only just children, we're friends. You hear that? You're friends. And friendship is really beautiful. You know what friendship really becomes beautiful is when you can have conversations and you can disagree with each other mm. and still be friends. That is a beautiful thing, and I'm grateful for it. Um, my best buddy, Pete Rollins, has, has shown me that a lot and really encouraged the hell out of me. And uh, Tony Jones is another one of my friends who is like, we could disagree on things and he's a type a personality and I'm an introvert. And those are two people that usually don't really get along with each other. But what I learned through my friendship with Tony is I could say, Tony, that kind of bugs me that you said that. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No worries. And then I'm like thinking about it a day later. I'm like, Hey Tony, was that too hard? He's like, dude, I have not thought about it. Mm. You know, and even realizing the different personality types of how our friendships work within our own personality types, you know, and, and you start to like see people in different ways and like, oh, well, you know, my friendship with this goes this way. You know, I need to be boundaries, more boundaries with this relationship. Yeah. You know, I need more jokes with this one, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I, I just, there's a few people I'm lucky to have in my life that I know I can go straight to and they will tell me straight for if I'm screwing up or not. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, but just at the time, the child who was born according to the flesh perceived the child who was born according to the spirit. So it is now also, but what does the scripture say? Drive out the slaves and her child for the child of the slave will not share the inheritance with the child of the free woman. So when the friends, we are children. Now the slave, we're not one more time. 31. So with the child of the free woman. So then friends, we are children not of the slave, but of, we're jumping into five for a second, but of the free woman. For freedom in Christ has set you free, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So he's also taken this verse and turned it, boop, and said, guess what? The folks who are trying to make you obey the law are no longer the adopted ones, now they're the slave children. Because they are slaves to the law. And we are not called to be slaves. We are called to be equals. You know? I mean, he's telling slave masters, which is, we probably wish that Paul would have, and Jesus would have ended slavery. I know, you know, that would have been nice. Um, but Paul is telling slave owners, like, there's no difference between you and your slave, your brothers and sisters in Christ. So you've got to accept that. So just sleep with that on your pillow every night, you know? And now he's telling the, the people who are under the law, he's like, basically, if you stay under the law, you've become slaves to the law. You're, you're not, you're not acting like children. You're not acting free. And what grace has done, grace has set you free. So please stay free and stay free indeed. So that is Galatians four today. Um, let's open up for Q and a, um, after glow. And, um, I believe our friend Caleb is going to read some of the questions for us. That's right. That's why I'm here today. <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting. Do you, do you think that Paul was so, um, obsessed with like, uh, the law being completed and fulfilled because he personally kind of hadn't 
obsession. He was like kind of a stickler. For, I mean, well, kind of a stickler. Like, he was literally going around, you know, killing Christians. Like, do you think he he was so into Jewish law to legalism that that's why it was so important? Yeah, well, him? I mean, I think he did. I think he saw the what he did and what it caused him to do. Yeah, and the horrors that caused him to do, and 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 the bad things that you know it led him to do. Oh, okay. That that the got him, but I, I also literally think though him being blinded that he literally was blinded by the concept of grace. Wow, and that that's all they could talk about, and that's why I tell people I'm Paulinian, and they always like, "What? I don't like Paul." You know, I'm like, "Well, I like Paul." <laughs> yeah, and I say that I'm Paulinian, and one of the reasons is because I love Galatians so much. Yeah, um, and I don't think I would understand the Gospels in the same way if it wasn't for Galatians. But also that I so relate to the Apostle Paul, um, the fact that he jokes about not being able to speak well i agree with him Mm -hmm. neither can i uh, half the time but also the fact that he is blinded by grace and that seems to be a force in his message yeah yeah. um Mm -hmm. and even when he slips back into legalism which i think you can see some in romans and maybe ephesians you'll see him talk about legal kind of go back into this lot works thing Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden jump back into grace yeah for by grace you've been saved through faith yeah so all of a sudden gifts of god not of works so he starts to go back into like almost like he's as he's writing the letter he has to remind himself right that he has to remind himself that grace is there because i think the human nature is for him to be a leader to control you know his hit the way he was raised is to control people and to tell them how they should live and then he'll have to say stuff like oh well this isn't this isn't from God. This is from me. Mm, you know, so yeah. Paul has these moments. It is a gift of God, not of works. Let's you know, mean. so he'll say like, yeah. So he, he, he's constantly kind of even, you see his own struggle Yeah. in the letters. I, w- I wish we could find more Paulinian letters that were genuinely Paul, genuine mm. Paul and not persuado Paul or whatever they call it. Pseudo, you have a, pseudo Paul, yeah. you know, I, uh-huh. the pseudo Pauls really bother me. And I, and I, and I think yeah. I talked to somebody about that yesterday and I was like, I think even in Ephesians, there's some, fake Paul mixed in with real Paul, but oh, yeah. that's another day. Interesting. Our talk. Okay, well, let's look at some of these comments here. We've got some like internal conversations going on okay. as per usual. That's always uh, nice. Yeah. So Glad our, you guys are talking to each other. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Um, our friend James said, um, uh, said, Richard Rohr on the dualism stuff in The Naked Now is good. Jesus wasn't into it. Speaking of dualism. Yeah. And then James later said, theological maturity and personal and emotional maturity may well go hand in hand, which is something that he's trying to reflect on. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I like I like a lot of Richard Rohr's work. I mean, some of it I'm not like totally awesome, yeah. but some of it's like totally awesome. So as any writer. So yeah. Yeah. And then Bob just now piped in and said, uh, our church does not call us to build buildings and clubs, but to build love and healing. Yeah. I agree. And then Thomas had Thomas and Zoe have had a nice back and forth going on. I think maybe I'll, maybe I'll just read it back and forth. Is that maybe the best? Yeah, I'll try that. And if you want to jump in at all, um, so Thomas said, "I think that the root cause of division right now in the body of Christ is white supremacy. Until we deal with that, I don't see the path forward." And then said, I mean, if you, are vi- uh, if you are violent white persons storming the Capitol because you think black districts voted fraudulently, that's easy to call out. But there are so many subtle and almost invisible expressions of white supremacy that we need to be honest about and call out. I worry that an urge to build that in an urge to build unity, we'll try to look past this issue. And then. Zoe responded and said, 100% agree, Thomas. Thanks for speaking up. We can't have unity if we don't call out this deep-rooted soul weed 
in our churches, in our history, our culture, and even in our theology. I hope that a good result of these things being expressed in the, wi- in the wi- wider culture is that we, the church, also loom deep into, look, I think, deep into ourselves and begin the hard work of we- working it out, weeding it out. I think that it may take a generation or longer. We can't call our religion one of unity without repenting of the centuries-long disunity that has rotted us uh, to the foundation. It isn't coincidence that fascist ideology has found an easy environment to grow in within the church, and these weeds are in me too. No, I think it's good, um, and that's why what I was harping on about capitalism earlier, I, I, I really do think that at the roots of um, racism is capitalism. Um, I think it plays a big part in it. Matter of fact, how was this country built on the back of African-American folks, on, on black folks because of slavery. Yeah. And what more pushed capitalism was slavery. Right. It was a huge Enabled movement. Cap, right? So, yeah, so that, that that's, I, I agree. Um, I'm probably spending too much time in philosophy, so when I'm not talking about racism and I'm talking about capitalism, I, I, I'm often putting those two in, in relation. Um, you know, I think, yeah, I definitely. Think, I think Christian supremacy needs to end. White supremacy needs. I think any type of supremacy yes. is it needs to be dealt with. Yes, and I also believe that you know there has to be justice. Yeah. Um, and in this system that we've we're supposed to have justice, unfortunately, the justice system doesn't always work for people. Sometimes it works for people, and often it works to, against people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know what it's like. My father was made an example of, and originally given forty five years. It was like, what the hell, you know, or. Um, you know, like I guess, like we're seeing in the news right now with the uh, African American Trump supporter, the black Trump supporter, and he's like being held without bond or bail. You know, when other other people who who, who took place in the in, in the insurrection are being let stay at home all day. I mean, yeah, racism is is, is here and it's real, um, and we've got to fight that, and we've got to fight the roots of it as well. Yeah, and I think that as a community, we need to find where our strong places are. I mean, that's why I love Brother Cornell West. He just tells it how it is. And I really would encourage and lead people to, to, to listen to the words of Cornell West because he, he, he understands Dr. King. He understands civil rights. He understands the Black Lives Matter movement. And he also understands the dangers of capitalism and the dangers of you know big media and um, where the money's coming from. And then the fact is that we, the, the Democrats aren't the saviors, you know, um, politics, we're going to have to do more than politics. You know, we are going to have to make a change as well. And we should hold our po- politicians accountable, but we should be looking at them as people we're trying to hold accountable and people we're trying to change, not people we're expecting to do the job for us because right now they're not doing the job for us. Right. And, and, and that's, that includes the new, the new regime, the new, uh, you know, the new president as well. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what else we got? Anything? Yeah. Uh, let's see here. I'm just reflecting myself. Sorry. Uh, April said more people need Jay and Caleb in their lives. <laughs> I challenge friends to be bold and get this word out. Also, if you're watching this, donate to support these guys, even just a few bucks. Hey, thanks April. Yeah, that's nice. We could really use the support right now. Absolutely. Uh, hey, Ray. Ray is here. Ray says, that's crazy. I ha- oh, I'm not sure what he's responding to. Uh, that's crazy. I hadn't heard that. How can there be allowed to be such a disparity in remand decisions? 
And what decision? He said demand and then corrected it to remand. Remand? Reprimand? I'm not sure. Remand? Must be one of them uh, Irish words. (laughs) Yeah, this is a great time to get informed. Um, And I I say that out of personal, you know, for for myself, like I've learned a lot this past year about privilege and stuff like that. And not just stuff like that. That sounds like dismissive, you know, but um, there's a lot of good resources out there right now. Yeah, great resources. Yeah. Um, I think that might be about it. If I'll say real quick, Jay, because you and I were talking about this earlier. If anyone out there wants to be on a Meet Your Congregation episode, we're scheduling those. I'm kind of just, I'm kind of just waiting for more comments to come in. <laughs> I don't know. No, I mean, if there weren't that many comments, uh, today, there weren't a whole yeah, there were back and forth. I between. expected some pushback today, so thanks, guys, for for that. Thanks yeah. for your comments. Thanks for joining us today. Um. Uh, I did read, just read some of Thomas just wrote that something does not have to be real to cause real harm. And that's true. Um, And I think we do that a lot with Christianity. Mm. Um, It is funny though, that often we say like, Oh, I can't believe Christians believe that, you know, but then they believe that God came down and to his woman and got her impregnated and then uh, was raised as a carpenter um, and was a God man. So Christians, we, we do have to remember, we do believe some really, wild stuff um but hopefully we can be rooted in love and in grace and um i think if we're rooted in those type of things um i think sometimes with my own my own work here is sometimes i i uh, i leave some things unspoken because i i sometimes think it's a given yeah um and i remember one time i saw this quote from the guys in um I remember reading a quote from the guys in The Clash, and it said, you know, we want people to know that we're anti-racist, anti-fascist, you know, pro-love, pro-unity, you know. And I remember thinking, like, like, really? Like, you had to remind me of that, you know? But I guess you do have to be reminded of that, you know? Um, you know, often that, we, you know, who people are and what they believe, you know? Because sometimes you, I think I get caught up in thinking, like, well, my work will speak for itself, and, uh, of course that's a no brainer, but I guess sometimes it's not. And sometimes you have to be a little bit, um, more obvious in order to, uh, make sure people know where you're at. But I think great conversation guys. I, I, I enjoyed listening and, and peeking in on to your conversation today. And, uh, I appreciate this community so much and you guys are, are really making this church better through these comments. So know that there are some Facebook comments that are, uh, edifying and building up and making uh sharpening the community and making it better um so when people say hey all the comments on facebook are you know a dumpster fire i can actually say well you know revolution we actually have some really good ones mm-hmm. and i'm grateful for that yeah so have have a good week folks um think about these things and um i'm really excited about galatians 5 and next week so you know bring your questions and uh we'll talk about it then Thank you so much. Be blessed. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website.
that was a post-Christian podcast.